and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. We continue with interviews from the cast of Roger Corman's unreleased Fantastic Four movie. It was supposed to come out in 1994, and it was shelved. There's plenty of theories as to why the movie never came out, or if it was ever supposed to come out. We discuss it with Cat Green. Now, Cat played Alicia Masters, who was the Thing's girlfriend. Talks about getting the role, just the legacy of the whole movie, and just some stories about her wardrobe during that movie. But besides Fantastic Four, Alicia has had a, a fantastic career. She's a singer-songwriter, movie producer, movie director, music producer. She's done it all in the business. We've had a really fascinating conversation about just about her life in general, and I hope you enjoy it. So, Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it as well. This is an honor and, and super fun. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I usually ask, like, the last few months, I usually ask the same question to every guest. The first one is basically everyone has a pandemic story the last two years or hopefully, you know, out of it now. Um, but, like, what has the last two years, like, been like for you? And has it been mm-hmm. good, positive, negative? I mean, everyone has a story. Oh boy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been quite something. I think for, um, for my journey, it's, uh, it's been this, um, I've, I I have two very, very strong sides of me that, uh, that were very prevalent during the last two years. And one is that I am, uh, I'm always pushing and, and working. So I'm always trying to find some project to do. So, um, during the pandemic, it was a bit, you know, frustrating that I couldn't get anything um, off the ground because, you know, the business slowed down. Right. Um, however, I still had segments of my own business that was still going. So music, um, music production mm-hmm. for film and television, for libraries that, you know, we were still uh, producing music. So, so that was still good. Um, however, it definitely was a time to go inward and reflect and figure out what's important to me and what um, what type of projects I want to work on in the future and things like that. Um, a big area of my life and a big area of my passion is mental health. And I had been through my own mental health challenges over the last five years, um, depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pandemic really brought that to the forefront, you know, with everybody, Um, you know, with the isolation, with, you know, um, the, the fear of, of death and, you know, everything sort of coming up, Mm -hmm. Um, whether you were alone or not alone, um, everybody had to deal with their own demons, you know? And so one of the things that I did during the pandemic was I started, and I'm not alone in this, a lot of people, a lot of people did this, but um, I really sort of went into um, learning more about the wellness space, and um, I studied. I got I got uh, certified in breath work uh, as a breath work practitioner in Reiki, in sound healing, uh, meditation. Um, I I studied to be a kirtan leader, um, Kundalini yoga. You know all these things that I just started. Um, delving into because I felt 
um, not only was it really good for me, but I wanted to, to pay it forward and to help other people. So, um, and it also then made me look at uh, different projects that I have or want to, to do and, and reevaluate the fact that I want to do things that make a difference in the world, you know? Right. So, um, you know, not just do things for entertainment value or for, you know, to pay my mortgage, you know? Yeah. And um, so it, it's it's given me a big shift in how I'm, you know, looking at projects and and what I'm doing with my life. Right. Yeah. I know there is. Yeah, I know there's no good time to have a pandemic like we've gone through. But had this been like 10, even 15 years ago, the technology that we've you know have now just wasn't there be able to connect with people just on a personal level and just to keep, you know, work going, you know, suffer the cloud and, and whatnot. So at least yeah. that has, you know, helped the last two years, like, you know, all the, the you know, classes you've taken, you probably took online, you yeah. know, whereas before you would have to, you know, actually go physically into a classroom and you couldn't do that in the last exactly. two years. So at least there was a silver lining for the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I do think, I do think, you know, with every <clears throat> with every difficulty in life there's always a silver lining there's always you know life is yin and yang so right. um i think this was a big I, I call it our big big reset i know that that's you know something other people mm. have coined but it's but it really is in the sense of not just for humanity but for mother nature i mean we all sort of experienced that you know, my theory is that it was, you know, the the grand plan of, of God and Mama Gaia saying, okay, everybody stop, get the heck off my, right. <laughs> my land, leave yeah. me alone, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> and, um, and it, it gave us a, a real time to, um, you know, to, to look at what we've done to our planet. You know, I think there was a huge regeneration and and and, um, you know, of wildlife, of nature, of, you know, people discovering nature again. Everybody couldn't do anything. So they all went out for hikes, you know, yeah, and it was right. like, oh, nature and our and our and our instinctual craving to be outdoors, you know, which meant you know, we got, we honestly got so sick of the Zoom. We got so sick of the internet. We got so sick of connecting digitally that so many people then discovered, you know, the outdoors and, and, and the world and connect and how important it is to connect in person. Um, I've been through uh, various retreats already and workshops where they were specifically about connection, you know, and just the, the craving that I just think happened from people just needing to have that interpersonal connection, both, you know, <clears throat> physically, you know, and whether it be um, it, just seeing each other in person, you know, or even just touch and hugging each other again. I mean, you know, and I think that that is a, is a really good thing that came out of it. You know, this, this desire to connect with each other personally, because the internet does, uh, I think does a lot of damage, you know, to people, um, keeping us distanced and, and keeping us from, um, you know, from being able to relate to each other, um, in a very natural personal way, 
you know, the, the, the internet and social media tends to be, you know, what we want other people to perceive of us as opposed to what's real. Right. And I, you know, I have three kids. One is going into college and you know, he's very personable. So I'm not really worried about him. He can strike up a conversation with the tree, but like, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter, it's like, they're all, you know, is like texting and, you know, mm-hmm. TikTok and all that stuff. So like a lot of the generation doesn't really know how to have a interpersonal relationship or a conversation between two people. And I feel that generation is, is going to suffer as a result of the social media and the internet and people yeah. just hiding behind keyboards and whether, you know, you know, comments and stuff like that. So it's like, it's kind of dangerous, you know, a it dangerous is, ground. It is, it is dangerous. I think there are good things, obviously, about social media and the internet and everything, you know, to be able to communicate with each other from, you know, far and wide, to be able to promote things or to, you know, um, market yourself or market your, you know, whatever you're doing, um, your project or your, you know, the schooling or whatever it is. But I, nothing can replace, you know, our own human uh, connection right. and ability to communicate with each other. Absolutely. And, you know, for better and worse. I mean, yeah. I think balance, like I said, I start, you know, with yin and yang. I mean, I think it's all about balance. So, um, and then on an, on another hand, I do think, you know, releasing the stigma of mental health is such a huge, uh, important factor of, of, um, you know, uh, uh, of our lives and of the healthcare system and, and, and everything that just needs to be um, reformed. And I think that that the pandemic also brought that into the forefront where more people are talking about it, more people are talking about, um, you know, getting therapy and making that more accessible and, you know, um, the different types of treatment and talking to each other and, and reaching out for help and, you know, all these things that I think, you know, had the pandemic not happened, I think we'd still be in a very slow, you know, trudge of trying to, trying to, uh, you know, release the stigma of, of, you know, going on medications and going to treatment centers and getting help and, you know, all these things, I think, um, especially, you know, and it's not just with, um, the youth, but it is especially with the youth because of, you know, how difficult it was Mm. over those years for the kids. You know, I do, I do see, you know, a lot of kids struggling, you know, I have, I Mm. have, you know, I have a nephew and I have friends who have kids. I don't have any kids myself, but, and, and some of my best friends are teachers. And, you know, so I hear a lot about um, the difficulties that these kids, you know, have gone through and are still going through in coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. My wife is a kindergarten teacher and she would just, you know, tell me stories, especially kindergarten kids where they're like five years old coming into school for the first time, mm-hmm. being, being home, you're not, you know, having those relationships, making friends, you're just seeing a computer screen. And it's like, it takes away a year. I mean, when you're adults, whatever, you, you lose a year, you lose a year, but especially kids at that developmental stage, mm-hmm. you lose it. It's, it's so vital for them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and these poor kids who couldn't, you know, they couldn't have a, uh, just the, the, the basic things of, of, of graduation and, yeah. and having a proper ceremony or, you know, prom or these, you know, they're all rites of passage, you right. know, and, and, uh, nothing beats, you know, the, you know, in classroom, 
um, you know, putting on plays, putting on, you know, the arts yeah. and, you know, and all these things, these outlets that these kids had, you know, and hopefully are, are getting back again. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and just the fear, you know, I, when I, when we were kids, we didn't have that fear of, you know, put on a mask or you might die. No. <laughs> you know? right. Exactly. I mean, we had like earthquake drills out here in LA, you know, and yeah. that was sort of a, that was a big deal. When we had an earthquake drill, it was like, Oh my God, we could, right. you know, earthquake in our building could fall on us. Yeah. But, but, you know, but, to, but these poor kids having to deal with that, you know, it's yeah. like, God, I don't know how, you know, what's going to happen when they grow up and, you know, um, but at the same time, I do think it's, uh, you know, there are a lot of good things that have come out of it that I can also see. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, like you grew up in a entertainment family. So mm-hmm. was, was that kind of like your calling? Was that always for you to be destined to go into <laughs> entertainment? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that when we were in New Jersey, we weren't an entertainment family, you know, okay. my my, uh, I mean, my dad always, when he was uh, younger, he worked in theater, he worked in Broadway, he was a press agent and stuff. And my mom was a rocket. So on that sense, yes, we were an entertainment mm. family. But then when I was growing up, my mom taught dance classes and pottery. And my dad worked in, uh, I think he was raising money for, you know, for charities and things like that. Um, uh, but New York City was always a, a part of us and, and our fabric, and we'd always go to shows and dance concerts and, you know, different stuff. So, um, and I, I've sung since I was three years old. So um, I always sort of wanted to be a singer. Um, right. I wanted to be, be Blondie. I wanted to be a rock singer, you know. <laughs> And then when I saw Broadway, you know, I wanted to be Patti Lapone and Annie right. and, you know, all these things. And um, and so uh, moving out to, to California, my father uh, switched careers and and he uh, his best friend is Martin Sheen. And so they okay. partnered and became, you know, created a uh, production company together so then my you know our lives were completely you know from this rural town in new jersey to malibu where it was all you know the brat pack and the right you know that whole thing so um and i i certainly grew up with them but i wasn't you know i was too young i wasn't friends with that crew right. and i really didn't want to have anything to do with it to be honest with you i was not impressed by hollywood i was i was really uh you know, I thought there was a lot of phony baloney and, and it, and, you know, I just wanted to stay in my lane and just yeah. be a singer and do my thing. And, um, you know, but then when I graduated high school, you know, and I, and I did theater and I did the whole thing. And then I, I moved, moved out to New York, New York city to, to pursue uh, musical theater actually. And, um, you know, went to school out there for that and, you know, dabbled in that a bit only to realize that, you know, my roots are in rock and roll. (laughs) I picked picked up a guitar. I taught myself how to play. I started playing the village, started writing songs. And then um, uh, at the time, my my father was not happy about his daughter being alone in New York City. So he always tried to get me back to L.A. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then... uh, 
he and and at the time my my brother had started acting and so he landed the role in in Twin Peaks and here I am in New York by myself and I'm seeing like these billboards with my brother on it and you know doing <laughs> the gap ads that he right. did and you know all this stuff and it was just so surreal yeah. and I'm just like okay this is really bizarre but one thing led to another and I realized you know I'm going to have to you know, I started working a lot of jobs in, in nightclubs and different things. And I, and, and it was a grind mm. and I worked at the China club and I'd work till four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I kind of realized that this is going to be, you know, really difficult. New York's yeah. very expensive. And, um, and so I thought I got to make a living and I might as well try my hand at acting because it seems like I have a, an, maybe a, a, an easier road to get work that'll pay while I pursue my own music career. So then I came back to LA and I got an agent and I, you know, started auditioning and doing some roles and, and, and stuff. So, yeah. Right. It's funny. Cause if you like kind of started out now with the whole music, you know, like passion, you probably would have been more successful because now there's so many more avenues, you know, to, to do it. You don't have to worry about getting a record deal. You can put out your own music, you know, exactly. on, on the streaming sites or, you know, um, YouTube. So it just, it's funny well, now. It's, it's so true because, you know, back when I was doing it, you, you know, you had to have a van and sell CDs out, out of the back of your van you know, and, and put yourself on tour. And if you didn't have a record deal, there was no way you were going to make any money doing it. And especially as a young woman, there wasn't a, you know, they, they were labels would say to us, you know, I had a band and everything and labels would say, Oh, we already have our female fronted yeah. band, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, and so the acting thing just seemed a little bit more accessible, you know, as far as, you know, getting a role and getting paid and, and doing that. But I was not in love with it. You know, it wasn't my passion. And right. once I, I, I got a role, it was, it was fun. It was fine. I enjoyed it. Um, but life on set as an actor to me was incredibly boring. It was, you know, it was just yeah. hanging out in your trailer all day and then coming out and doing a little bit of a scene. And then, you know, and it was exciting. And that was like, oh, all these people are dancing around you doing the makeup, doing the this, doing the that. And, you know, there's that like high you get from that. But at the same time, I'm like, I, you know, and the auditions and the constant wow. rejection. And for somebody like me who came from, I was, you know, I was chubby as a kid. I was bullied. Oh. I was, you know, so having the constant rejection was not good for my <laughs> self-esteem. Right. I was, tw I was thinking I was 21 or 22 and I became bulimic and anorexic because you had to be too, you know, really skinny mm. for the camera and this and that. And then it was, you know, and I just thought if I'm going to put, you know, a lot my energy into this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it into music. So, you know, that's, then I went, I quit acting and I did full, you know, full bore. I went, you know, music. Right. So, um, but you know, I still, I still love the movies and make and being creative and, yeah. and, and doing all that. Um, so I did music for film and television, you know, and right. figured, figured my, my road. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to go back to your, your brother for, for one sec, you know, who had a great part in Twin Peaks and also the, 
the sequel that came out a couple years ago and also a few good men fantastic role in in that as well um were you a fan of uh like the tv show did you actually understand it (laughs) yeah i mean i was a david lynch fan anyway i have a very weird broad uh, (laughs) yeah um uh sensibility as far as you know filmmaking and and all that stuff um i uh uh, I loved the first, you know, the first one. I I was not a fan of the second one, to be honest with right. you. I felt it was very self-indulgent. I thought, you know, it just, you know, was really off the rails yeah. in a way that just didn't have the same. Um, I think I think the reason why Twin Peaks was such a phenomenon was because it was so different and right. so creative and artistic and dark and mysterious and quirky and funny and interesting. And I think that like having a network take risks like that was was really unusual. Right. You know? And I think that people really, you know, took to it because it was so different. Mm-hmm. You know, and people were hungry for something that was, you know, you know, you know, sort of twisting their mind, you know, and I think, um, uh, was it slow? (laughs) Was it, you know, there were a lot of, there were a lot of reasons why people shouldn't have liked it, you know what I mean? So it was an unusual phenomenon to, to have such a huge, uh, you know, fan base and, and following and everything um sustaining that you know i it was challenging so yeah you know um and doing it again it 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 kind of was like you can't it's lightning in a bottle you know you can't really it doesn't what made it work and what made it so fantastic back then is it, it you know we've we've moved past that we've done yeah. so many things that are cutting edge and beyond right. even beyond what they've done so it, you know, it no longer had that, you know, mysteriousness and cachet and, you know, excitement around it that it was like, you know, now it was just David just, you know, being David, <laughs> being David and being yeah. at this probably as a canvas and creating some cool art piece that he wanted to do, you know, right. and they let him, you know, and it was like, and, and that's all right and good. And there's always yeah. going to be, you know, Lynch fans that'll love right. it, you know, but for me as a you know, at that point, it's like, okay, I still need a story. I yeah. still need a character that I can, you know, root for or, yeah. you know, or love to hate. Right. You know? So um, I think we lost that in the in the new one, you know. Yeah, because there was no, like, mystery in, in that one. Yeah. You know, like, you were like, oh, who, who killed her? Who killed yeah. her? And then this one was just like, well, what am I watching? Exactly. You know, there were some episodes, you know when is he going to become dale cooper again and you know and, and, yeah. and like, you know this and that and just like and also being on like a, a cable channel you know you're not getting canceled so he had just free reign to do whatever whereas right. if it was on network you'd be you know jeopardized yet being canceled after four episodes five episodes you know he was having yeah. free reign to complete the story and do whatever the hell he wants yeah <laughs> you yeah know? yeah you know and maybe one day it will be appreciated you know as yeah a, as an art as an art piece i suppose right um but i still need i still need the hook i still need that yeah. like, who done it thing right you know? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely 
But before we kind of, you know, go to your music, let's uh, let's just talk about Fantastic Four. And um, it's funny how that movie, just such a cult, you know, following now, more so had it been released. It probably just would have, you know, come and gone. And, you know, that's it. Maybe be on cable once in a while. But just the fact that it's never been released officially, you can find like, you know, bootleg copies. It's also on YouTube. But just the fact that it's just a mess, such a cult following and never officially been released. I'm sure you get asked about it all the time about a movie that, you know, you've never seen in the theaters. Yeah. Well, I'm going to assume your listeners know what the movie is or what we're talking about because yes the Roger Corman Fantastic Four that was released uh or supposed to be released in 1994 and it did not there's plenty of stories why it wasn't there's a great documentary called Doomed about the making and the aftermath which uh is really interesting as well you're interviewed in that as well but right take me back well first like how'd you get involved how'd you hear about it and yeah yeah yeah. well I, I played Alicia, Alicia Masters, who is the blind girl, uh, the, the thing's girlfriend. And um, in in the uh, what we call the original Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> which which kids today don't know anything yeah. about. <laughs> Unless you're a comic book, you know, fan. Um, so the when when I was when I was cast, as everybody else, I think we all thought that this was going to be the next big superhero movie. Right. You know, I think I think Batman was the only superhero movie that was really done. Yeah. And, and was a big success. So we all were like, oh, my God. Um, there was a part of us that were, you know, that was like, well, it is Roger Corman. <laughs> so, you know, and he's known for B movies and low budget. and Right. So it was like, well, maybe this is something that he's that's going to put him in another on another level, you know, Um, and, uh, you know, so it was really exciting. And when I um, when I auditioned, they auditioned me also for Sue Storm. And, um, you know, I I was uh, I I didn't really think I was going to get the role. Um, I. You know, I I just I did the audition as best as I could, and I left thinking, hey, that would be really fun. That would right. Be and then uh, I remember it's so funny. I, I I specifically remember when I was told I got the role because I was I was a kid. You know, I think I was like, well, I don't want to say my age, cause, <laughs> but um, you were younger. <laughs> I was I was hostessing at a restaurant on Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica a place called Yankee Doodles, if anyone mm. remembers that restaurant. And um, and at the time, we had pagers. We didn't have <laughs> cell phones, you know? So the only people that had pagers were actors and drug dealers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember getting a page from my agent, and I walked all the way back. It was like the longest walk ever. I walked all the way back to the rest, to the pay phone at the back of the restaurant. And I called my agent, and then they said I got, I got the part. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Does that mean? there's going to be a doll with me on it right (laughs) (laughs) and so um you know it was it was really exciting it was really fun i i remember the the fantastic four as a kid the the cartoon um but i wasn't a, a comic book nerd so i didn't have the comics i didn't but so i went to this comic book store in santa monica and i picked up a few copies of the fantastic four that mm-hmm. i saw that i was you know alicia was in it and yeah. 
Um, and the cool thing was my mom was a pottery teacher. So Alicia, you know, sculpted with clay. Right. So what I did was I blindfolded myself and I had my mom put a thing of clay, you know, down. And yeah. so I, 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 you know, sculpt things and, and do things like, what would it be like not being able to see? And, you know, cause the New York yeah. method actor in me, Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I went to the, the Braille Institute um, I talked to people about, you know, and I observed, I was, I was of the, uh, sort of, um, uh, the, which one is it? Meisner, I think, or Stanislavski. I don't know, but it, I, I liked working from the outside in. I liked observing people and watching how they, mm -hmm. they moved with their body and how they walked and how they, and then I would take on that. I would embody that. And then that would sort of affect me internally you know, the character. So I would study blind people and, and all that stuff, but it yeah. didn't make a difference because right. ultimately when I watch the film and I, and I see my yeah. scene, <laughs> I start laughing. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, I've got, you know, I'm, a, I'm blind and I've got the, the guide stick and I'm going down a flight of stairs <laughs> without even holding the railing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck, you know, right. but it's, you know, it's it's a it's cartoon it's superhero you know yeah so. of course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right <laughs> but anyway i think i they, i was even wearing my all my own clothes because yeah. they didn't have they didn't have a budget for for wardrobe right so i i i don't know what i, I wore like as the princess costume i wore my, my mom's 1970s dress that like was all hippied <laughs> out and i'm like what kind of princess is this but that's all i had yeah <laughs> right because <laughs> yeah because the fantastic four like uniforms were so like cheesy and just yeah. like you know it's like you're you're home making your own superhero costumes that's what you're going to come up with but you know <laughs> <laughs> but that's basically what she you know what she said oh she made him herself so i guess that's kind of the throwaway line you know to make sure that they they look like that but it's just it's hysterical <laughs> it is it's it but it's the movie is so charming you know it is it's, yeah i think it's the closest to the comics because the new ones they don't have the sense of humor that the original comics have right you know i remember the there was always sort of this like um tongue in cheekness about the the, the comics yeah. themselves you know and yeah. and you know it didn't take itself too seriously yeah like it's like now they just so rely on all these special effects and at the action and the you know that they have to take themselves so seriously and then when they try to be funny they're just so cliche you know right. it's like yeah whereas the original one yeah it's you know, it wasn't finished, so so yeah. the, the effects are awful. You know, and right. you have of to, course you have to assume that they would have been a little better. Yeah. You know, had right. they been able to, to finish the movie. But even so, it still has just you know that that um, there's a silliness to the movie that's that's charming and and fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. right? When did you guys find out that it wasn't going to get released? Um. Everybody, everybody found out from, I, I think from uh, Oli Sasan, who directed it, he, right. he called us individually to let us know, you know, and, or I think we went out to coffee or something and he, he said, listen, I have to tell you, it's not going to be released and da, 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 da. And that was really disappointing, of course, yeah. you know. Um, 
at the same time, I was already moved on from acting. Okay. Right. So I was already into music and, you know, it was a bummer, but it was yeah. like, okay, well, all the more reason why I'm not acting. Acting anymore, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think, uh, I think everybody wanted, you know, I wasn't included in uh, the, the promotion that the actors were doing. I, I went to one um, comic book uh, convention um and we before i think it was before we knew it wasn't going to be released and they they showed the trailer and we were on a panel right and um but then everybody continued doing conventions and and you know promoting it because um there was always that hope you know or that that they would still get it out there right um so but i didn't find out about the whole politics behind it until much later when did you actually sit down and watch the movie for the first time probably around the same time you did right i I also got a boot i bought i bought my own copy off of ebay okay (laughs) because i heard there were bootleg copies because i actually found out i was at a party and uh somebody recognized me and they were like you're Alicia from Fantastic Four. And I'm like, what? How do you know that? They're like, well, I saw the movie. And I'm like, how did you see the movie? It's not released. And they said they got a bootleg copy from a comic book convention. So then I went, you know, right onto eBay and I'm like, I got to get one. Yeah. (laughs) So I I got one and I watched it and, um, and laughed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You should have like watched it autographed and put it back on eBay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <I> yeah <laughs> yeah did you um like see the other ones that followed it i know you talked about like the, you I, know, saw the, the I saw the but... first i saw the first one i didn't see the others after that right yeah you didn't yeah. miss much no no i know yeah. i didn't yeah. i wasn't crazy about that that first one so right you know. um although i do like superhero movies you know i, yeah. I love I loved, uh, you know, the Spider-Man and, you know, yeah, all those, all that stuff. Um, but, uh, and it was fine. I mean, it was Chris Columbus, right? So it was, you know, big budget yeah. High yeah. Tech and all that stuff and right. fighting and all, but I didn't care about the characters and I didn't, nah. you know, so, um, you know, and I just, you know, I'm always going to have an affinity to the original. Of course, <laughs> as you should. <laughs> <laughs> and I still should. think they should release it. You know, I think they should just, you know, like yeah, put it out there, polish it up, and and put it out there. And I think I think they'd they'd sell a lot of copies. You know, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it being that much money to put some effects into it. You know, right. I mean, and they'll they'll make all the money back. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So was that the reason why you you left acting, or is that just something? Totally no, different? no. I'd like to say, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I had a meltdown and quit. Right. Acting. No, um, no. The reason was because I just, you know, for me, it's about the day to day, enjoying your journey, enjoying the life, you know, your life on a day to day level, and I didn't enjoy the day to day process of being an actor. Right. I, just, I really didn't. It wasn't. Um, uh, it was detrimental to me, you know, to my right. my well being and my psyche, and uh, I really, really in, enjoyed um, music. Mm-hmm. So you know, you put me in a studio and and work on tracks all day long, and even if nobody ever hears it, I love what I'm doing. 
you know? Yeah. And I can't say the same for acting. Right. Well, that's yeah. good that you, you know, you went back to your passion and that's good because some people, you know, just give it up and, you know, just stick with something they don't love. But I'm glad that, you know, you, you did that. So. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, is I, wa- I, I wasn't very good. I mean, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I mean, I had some chops, but I right. think that now that I've been through so much life shit yeah <laughs> i think i'd actually be a much better actor now you know right. what i mean because yeah. then i was a kid i hadn't really gone through stuff right you know so i wouldn't have to pull from you know exactly right uh, and uh you know so i think ultimately um you know ultimately it's about loving what you do and i always think one day maybe i'll do i'll do something acting wise for right. fun yeah <laughs> You know? Yeah. Are you, are you still producing movies as well? I am. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, uh, did you want to talk anything else about Fantastic Four? Or? Nah, I think we covered it. Maybe we'll okay. go back to it a little later, but I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was interesting, though, is just to kind of talk about it for one second. Is sure. Once I did find out about the business side of it and what had happened. So for, for those who, uh, I know you've interviewed Alex, and he's probably talked a lot about it, but... Um, you know, so not to, to, to spend a lot of time covering it, but um, but ultimately the film was never meant to be made. And uh, I, I don't know how often that happens in Hollywood. Right. You know, I don't hear about it ha- happening that often where, you know, the intention was to to make a film just to keep the rights. Yeah. You know, and with with always, you know, to be shelving it, you know. Right. And, um, and I think that, that you know is is very unusual and it's a very interesting story um a lot of movies don't get made you know a lot of movies you know get halfway made and then they lose funding and and things like that but but to have it be uh something as what feels very dirty you know because i don't even think Foreman knew in the beginning you know that that was the intention um uh, so yeah, so it's so it's definitely a very interesting story. People should watch the documentary. It's it's just a fascinating little tidbit about Hollywood and what, you know, what, yeah. what happens behind the scenes on some some of these things. So, right. Um, yeah, but- yeah. Alex, uh, sorry, inter- Alex was telling me that he's working on like an audio uh, project about. I guess someone wrote a book about yeah. the Fantastic Four. He said he reached out to you to you know questions yeah, I- something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I read, you know, we so did our own, out. Yeah. we each read our own, our own chapter in the book. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so that was fun. So there should be an audio book for the book. I think the book is also called Doomed. Is that right? I don't remember the title. I don't think so. I don't remember the title, but he said it's coming out this summer. So. It, oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Good. So everyone look forward to that. Um, so, yeah. So then I, I had a band, I toured, I, you know, did all the the festivals and the played all the clubs in LA, the mm. whiskey, the Roxy, the whole thing. Um, and then started doing music for film and television. Okay. Um, uh, from uh, scoring TV shows, uh, did a Disney series, did um, various um, TV movies, uh, you know, uh, my ex-husband he he was a composer yeah. so he and i had a business together and okay. and 
uh, did a lot of composing and scoring. I also did music supervising, which is something I still yeah. do okay. now and then. Um, and, uh, you know, and again, it was very, very difficult to become successful as an, as an artist. So finding my own lane um, to be able to make money making music was, was really a blessing, you know, okay. yeah. and um, uh, a dream. And then I ended up getting hired. Uh, I was a, a vice president of music production for, B, it was BMG, and now it's Universal Publishing, okay. overseeing all of their music catalogs that, that are mm. for background music and okay. they're called music libraries. Right. Um, so I produced hundreds of albums, uh, recorded orchestras and choirs, and worked with Chuck D and you know, many uh, wonderful composers and, and, and stuff. And then I, um, I left that company, I actually kind of got burnt out. Um, I had been doing music for a long time. And, um, and uh, I needed something new. And I approached my father who had been uh, producing films, uh, independent films. Um, he produced all of those school break specials, if you remember okay. back in the day. Right, yeah. And, um, and some wonderful indie movies. And he uh, had been, he was uh, semi-retired and I, and I called him up and I said, would you mentor me? I want to I learn how to produce a movie. Um, and for me, it's always go big or go home. So <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a producer, sure. Right. <laughs> it's my next adventure. Um, and then, uh, so he showed me the ropes and I found scripts and projects and worked with writers and I started pitching movies and I sold, uh, a movie to the Hallmark channel. And then I started producing movies for the Hallmark channel. And then I tried my hand at directing and directed an indie short film called the big swim uh which is on amazon little plug <laughs> no one knows it's there so right it's a, it's a really sweet movie it's a it's a love story but it's also um has a bit of a uh breast cancer element in it and it's um i shot it in cozumel mexico with live okay. sharks and mm. stuff like that so yeah. um and then uh yeah so uh, i i really really enjoy producing um can't say i enjoy the development process and the pitching and all that stuff right. you know but i do you know love the it reminds me a lot of putting on a play it's it's the collaborative mm -hmm. effort of of getting all these people together and it's honestly it's amazing movies get made because all the pieces of the puzzle have to come yeah. into play and right. anything can go wrong and if something goes wrong your movie is done you know so um and and i i love the idea that i was employing you know, I'm employing all these people, right? And, you know, and it just, it's so gratifying, you know, and to have, and as an executive producer, I'm seeing a project from, from the very, very beginning. So I'm involved from whether it's finding the script to, to creating the script, coming up with story and then creating mm -hmm. a script and then and then putting the team together and finding the right people and then casting and then you know and I'm involved in all the way to the end. I'm a I'm a I'm a Virgo, so I'm a micromanager. <laughs> I want everything to be perfect. Right. You know? And I have, you know, very specific 
creative ideas and things. So, so it's very satisfying to be able to, you know, to, to, to start with nothing and to create something and have it be something that you're proud mm. of, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, so I enjoy it. I do, I do want to do it more. And, and, uh, I am not, um, I think I'm, I'm still always an artist through and through. So even though I do have a business sensibility, mm. a business right. side of me, there's that always that artist side of me. So I think, um, you know, I, I'm very precious with my projects. I'm very particular yeah. about what I do. Right. I want to, I want to be able to get something made as opposed to be in development forever you know and if I can't see the end and if I can't see that oh I can actually get this made then I don't want to do it yeah, right you know yeah. which means that I'm not doing a whole lot of movies <laughs> <laughs> right because it's really difficult to get the made yeah. you know yeah. yeah so yeah yeah so I mean is it hard for you to kind of separate the like executive producer hat from like the artist hat um sometimes yeah. it can be um you know what i'm gonna close the door because there's some sound okay sure got some leaf blowers and gardeners. oh, oh yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i'm I, I work from home of course <laughs> <laughs> um so uh sometimes it can be yeah i think also um this is like something that I've, I'm still finding and I'm curious from other women out there because I still find that, that on the business level, it's still a man's world, even right. though there's a lot of female executives out there. I still find that when I'm in a meeting with, let's say I'm in a meeting with two men, the men will converse with each other and I'm just kind sitting of sitting there. there. And I will interject and I will do my thing. But a lot of times I find that, you know, it's still difficult to get that initial respect, you know, right out of the gates. And I know this is like, it, it, you know, it sounds, it, it shouldn't be, you right. know what I mean? With, with everything and the, the whole Me Too movement and like, you know, it, it, I shouldn't still feel that kind of stigma or pressure out there or whatever but but i do so it's very interesting um and i think that that is uh that's still always going or going to be a hurdle in my lifetime that i still have to mm. to to push through right um and i don't want to work necessarily for a production company i don't want to be an executive i don't want a nine mm. to five so as an independent producer there's a lot of challenges you yeah. know, and then also as, as an independent woman. Yeah. Producer, right. You know, um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there now for, for female directors and for, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, demand now, I think for diversity and things like that. So I think there's a lot of change and movement that's happening, uh, with regard to that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now with all the like 87 billion cable channels and all the streaming sites, do you find like the talents kind of like been watered down? 
a little bit? Oh, I don't know. Um... Or, or it's being you're having more discovery because there's so many different like avenues now and you know platforms. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's I think it's an exciting time because well, for a while during the pandemic, they, they just didn't have enough content and they were right. digging into their old stuff and they were releasing stuff that they never planned to release, which then became a hit. And they were like, oh, <laughs> yeah. maybe we really don't know what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that opened up a lot of things. And I think that there's a lot more networks now and there's a lot more opportunity for for selling projects i think um a lot more work for actors a lot more work for writers um mm -hmm. so uh you know i think it's an exciting time i think they might have to you know some areas might have too much and they're backing off a little bit from what i i'm hearing but um you know but but yeah it, it's it's i think it's a good time to you know to develop and produce series it's not the best mm -hmm. time for feature right features um but for series definitely yeah. So yeah switch gears to your, your music career a little bit i love your um beautiful star album that's on spotify okay. right now yeah check it out everybody it's really good um <laughs> how many albums have you actually put out that i, I want to see i think it's like two albums on on spotify but like yeah were those the only two you actually worked on prior to that was everything just before that were you writing music or um, well, in my, in my 20s, we did, I think we did two albums, two or three albums uh, with our band. Um, and we were uh, signed to a development deal at IRS Records. So we did something for them. We came very close to record deals. So we never like had anything widely commercially released. Right. And then when, um, when everything went digital and I started doing music for film and television, I, we, me and my ex, we stopped doing our own band and our own stuff as an artist because okay. we were just solely focused on, you know, utilitarian basically. So doing music for a purpose. Right. So whether it was scoring a show or creating a bunch of albums that were, you know, rock tracks and this kind of music and this library for this and, you know, it became, I still sang and I still wrote songs and it was still very satisfying. So I didn't feel the need to be a star, you know, or be, you right. know, but, I, but I did miss being on stage. So I started singing with a choir uh, called the Angel City Chorale, which uh, we were on America's Got Talent. We were okay. a semifinalist. We're 160 voices. Um, and I have to do another plug. We have a concert coming up <laughs> <laughs> June 18 and 19 at Royce Hall here in LA. Um, but it's a wonderful community choir. I would say we're even a semi-professional choir, even though we're nonprofit. Um, we do, uh, I, we've, you know, I contract vocalists, so we've sung for, um, the Slipknot album, Okay. <laughs> anything from, you yeah. know, hard rock background <laughs> stuff to right. uh or you know orchestral to movie projects to trailer projects so you know and i'm a soloist there and we toured england and um uh you know so i got to sing a portuguese song and with a with the the royal philharmonic and recorded at abbey road and and all that stuff so i i definitely have had my own outlet um but as far as my own albums 
Um, the two albums that are on now are the only ones I have. I uh, completed, um, just before the pandemic, I completed an album uh, with a composing partner of mine, um, Daniel Bellardinelli, who has since passed away. But he, uh, he and I created a um, orchestral choral, uh, essentially a, a pop album where um, it's, it's a concept album that, that uh, it's going to be released next year and I'm going to do a concert for okay. it and everything. But it's, um, uh, it's about the, the, you know, falling from grace. But after my divorce and, um, you know, had a, you know, I, I had a really debilitating uh, experience. And, um, and it was something I'd never experienced in my life. I've always right. been very happy-go-lucky, very motivational, very, so, you know, I find out later that I do have a genetic predis predisposition for it in my family. Uh, okay. I guess depression runs in the family. So when it was triggered, it was like a bomb going off. And I, my, all my, my dopamine, everything got depleted. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't shower. I couldn't do anything. And I thought I was dying, you know, oh, wow. and I had suicidal ideation and all this stuff. Cause they put you on all these medications and right. sometimes the medications are not right until you find the right thing. And I know Lady Gaga talks openly about this, which is really wonderful. Um, you know, she, she went through her own thing. And so uh, you know, so having gone through that, it really, um, I really felt that, uh, me and, and my composer who he had composed my Hallmark movie okay. and jokingly, I said, yeah, after the Hallmark movie, you're going to have to do my album. <laughs> and so when we finished, he said, you know, he, he, let's do the album. Let's channel all this, you know, the depression and everything into the art. And so we created this art, this, this, this uh, album that's, that's a concept album, going back to my roots of Dark Side of the Moon and Pink <laughs> Floyd, where right. it is an album concept as opposed yeah. to songs. Right. I'm older. I'm not expected, expecting to be on the radio and to yeah. create a hit song and to get a record deal and to do yeah. all that. So I was like, screw it. Let's just create the album we want to create and work with the people we want to work with. So I pulled in all of my resources of film and television, worked with MB Gordy, who is a, a genius percussion drummer who, who does all of Hans Zimmer's stuff, worked with um, Lily Hayden, an amazing violin player. Um, you know, uh, the, the Bratislava Symphony, the um, Angel City Chorale, we recorded at Capitol Records. Um, uh, Jim Hill mixed it. He, 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 uh, he worked on, um, uh, various TV shows and things like that. So, so, uh, so the album is done. It, it just needs to be mastered and I'm going to be releasing it next year with a, um, uh, there's, there are these 360 degree dome films. Okay. So of course I'm taking my producing, <laughs> right. my producing yeah. hat yeah. and I'm going, well, uh, if we're going to, you know, we, we did all this, so let's do, let's put it to a, a, a film. And so I'm, I'm creating a, an animated 360 degree, uh, uh, experiential, uh, film that'll be able to be shown as a standalone in various dome theaters and planetariums. Okay. Oh, great. Um, I, I intend to do a live concert, so we're going to combine the film with live instruments and musicians and stuff, 
and do it to raise awareness for suicide prevention and for depression and anxiety and mental health and have you know um vendors there booths wellness you know people who can right. come and and promote them their wellness um you know uh companies organizations whatever um and so that's you know that's that's on track for next year and that is a passion project so you know you know, hopefully that will get done because <laughs> yeah. you know, projects are expensive. Right. So, um, and uh, in the meantime, I'm developing a documentary. Um, I not on not about that project, but but along the lines of when I said that I'm I'm taking on projects that have meaning and right. and and ha and have a greater purpose and can affect change. The uh, the documentary is. A, is a uh, it's 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 a story about it's a story about a guy who uh, is rewilding his 1700 acre state in his country okay. and um, it you know for to fight climate change and he's met with a lot of obstacles um, there's still hunting that's legal there there's you know when he re rehabilitates animals and things they want to build a train through the property um you know so it's it's a really important story that needs to be told um and 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 the value of you know letting nature be and how important it is for every country to take on the responsibility wow. of maintaining land in their country that's undeveloped mm. and why that's important and why that's absolutely necessary to save our human race right you know um you know, nature will, if we look at the history of, you know, pre-human existence, nature will always take mm. care of itself. If yeah. there, if there is something on the planet that is overrunning and destructive, it will find a way to get rid of it. Yeah. You know, so before it finds a way to get rid of us, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have to honor her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, and and maintain biodiversity and balance right. on the planet and so that's what you know the documentary is about um i'm i i wrote you know asked you asked me one of the things i did over the pandemic i co-wrote a couple screenplays okay. i'm still a big fan of romantic comedies mm. i think that they're you know you know i talk about making a difference and 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 entertainment and feel good feeling good you know entertainment makes a difference oh, absolutely and um, and so I, you know, co-wrote a couple screenplays that are being pitched around. One is optioned at a production company. Um, I I'm would prefer not to produce those myself because I wrote them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah. That's that's great. Well, I'll have to have you back on once uh, you know everything gets made. Let's yeah. talk about that absolutely. But I really appreciate your Love time you. today, Kat. This this was really fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And and uh, it's nice that uh, that you're reaching out and that you're you're hearing from voices in the industry that may not people don't really care about me. So it's nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say but care I like about. To think that I'm, but I like to think what yeah. I'm doing is is in, is going to inspire other people. Right. So I, you know, and especially other women um, to do things that are meaningful and to 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 keep 
moving forward with your artistic endeavors and doing what you love and um you know uh you know it's hard it's 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 yeah. hard out there no i'm, I'm I, I wouldn't say i know how it is but i'm sure you know it has to be hard you know? yeah 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 and and I would say, and I'm just going to come full circle because, again, my passion, you know, at least right now in, in my life is uh, being an advocate for mental health. And I do just want to put it out there for those that, that are listening, that if you do, you know, if you're struggling or if you know anybody that's struggling, there are resources. And all I can say is, you know, uh, suicidal ideation is real. And it it's, uh, you know, it's not it's not you, it's the disease. And that, you know, to exhaust, put your ego aside, exhaust every option possible before doing it, you know? And look, you know, people are going to commit suicide. It's just part of humanity, it's a part of life. But there are treatment centers not to be ashamed to go. Right. Um, I went to a treatment center. I put I put myself in because I was like, I'm the type of person that's like, what's wrong with me and how do I fix it? So um, and there were, you know, there was there was a Disney executive there. There were uh, a kindergarten teacher was there. There was, you know, every walk of life. It's not something to be ashamed of. There are wonderful programs out there. Um, so there are good psychiatrists. There are bad ones, too. <laughs> but um, and not to be afraid or ashamed of having to try different things and do everything you possibly can to feel good. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And to talk openly. Yeah, exactly. Out. Yeah. Communication. You have to. Communication. Yeah. You know, when I was at my worst, you know, my dad had said something to me that literally was absolutely what I needed to hear. So if you're a parent out there and you have kids, he said to me, if I just want you to know, if it ever gets so bad that you have these thoughts, you call me and I will be there. I will drop everything and we will right. work together to do whatever we can to get through this. Oh. And he said that to me and that stuck with me. And when it got really bad, I called my dad. Oh. My, I called my dad, who's 77 years old, and I'm an adult, right? right. <laughs> and I'm going, Daddy! You know, but I have to tell you, it was the best thing in the world because I called him and I said, Dad, you said this to me, and it's bad. And I don't understand it, and there's something wrong. And he jumped on a plane, and he was with me, and he helped me, and he helped me through it. And I had friends, all my friends would call me and, you know, cheerlead me, and you know, and, and my composing partner would always call me champ. And mm -hmm. like, you know, because I would t tell people I'm yeah. not good. I right. need help, you know, and that's the first, that's the first step. Yeah. Having an outlet, a creative outlet yeah. is really important and really good. Um, but there, you know, there is help out there and don't give up. That's, that's my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's great to have and it. I'm now. happy now. So That's good. I'm, Most important I'm thing. Yeah. Positive. And my life isn't that great. You know, <laughs> when I look at it, I'm like, right. there's, there's wonderful things and I'm very blessed in a lot of areas of my life, but there's also really, really difficult things that I struggle with. 
personally, business-wise, whatever. Right. So, uh, but I, I work on myself because I know that I want a good life. I want to feel at peace. I want to feel content. You know, we strive for happiness. You know, every there's yeah. so, this whole thing of, you know, don't worry, be happy and be happy, be happy, be happy. It's so much pressure. Happiness is 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 temporary. Yeah. Just like just like sadness is temporary. You know, it's it's that that's a, a feeling or a mood as opposed to peace, contentment, grounding, security, feeling safe, having homeostasis. You know, with your body and not being in an, in a fight or flight anxious mode and and all that it all plays yeah. so you know maybe at some point in the future we'll have a separate one that's just mental health <laughs> and a special thanks to Kat for joining me today check out her website catqueenproductions.com and if you have a guest suggestion hit me up on twitter at the personal one nine or like the page with my youth on facebook go to itunes check out all the past episodes you've had while you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Show can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically where we can find a podcast. Look for more episodes with cast members from Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.